If you'd like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer, please consider downloading our free mobile app for iPhone and Android available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. Please be sure to subscribe to our monthly newsletter for the latest news about new programming and upcoming RFB events. You can sign up at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash newsletter. Hey, what's up? It's Paul Murdoch. I am on Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. And it is time to get embarrassed with us. Us. What's up? The me bottle. <laughs> no, it isn't. The me bottle. We me. no longer have to read it on air. I'm, I'm not about the me bottle anymore. I'm all about the you can. You can? You can? You can. What is it? You can. What is it? You can. Is this the debut? Is this the first time we've heard about the You Can, this new product that is sponsoring us in this wonderful, wonderful radio station of ours? Oh my God, can we share this, <laughs> this reading? This is not a real product. Oh, okay. Oh. Sorry. Wow. Wow. What the fuck? <laughs> you can. Yes, we can. Bottled Obama optimism. <laughs> hey, 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 you. Are you listening to us? Just blabber on. They'll thank you for joining us because it is 3 p.m. on the East Coast, and you are listening to Lost and Rewound right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Ow, I, ow. I'm Alon Danziger. And I'm Will. I'm Dave Rachel. <laughs> well, I was the only one with the last name that time. We clearly... I said it just under Rachel saying Rachel. <laughs> You're like, I'm Will Tasty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Rachel. I should. I'm Alon Danziger. Yep. And we uh, bring the show to you every week here on Radio Free Brooklyn as a way mm. to dig da- dig way deep. Way, 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 way deep. Deep. Big deep in the big, 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 big deep times of your uh, past to learn a little bit about how you got from there to here. We have uh, rewritten the rules so many times week after week here on the show, including last week for our big 200th episode. You uh, have so many episodes, that one included, to listen to on the web. Go to Apple Podcasts, go to SoundCloud, or to our main site at radiofreebrooklyn.org slash L-A-R, and you can listen to all of our episodes there with a click of a button. We've been only on Radio Free Brooklyn now for almost four years now. It's crazy. Radio Free Brooklyn has been on the air. The air has been rocketed on the streaming airwaves. It's the air. Since 2015. 2015. So the five-year anniversary is coming up soon. Would you, Will, like to do the honors? Radio Free Brooklyn's Drive to Five fundraising campaign is underway. In May, RFB turns five years old, and we need to raise $25,000 so we can continue bringing you commercial-free, independent radio for another five years. Because we think raising money should be fun, each month we'll be bringing listeners fun challenges and some great prizes. This month's challenge is a quiz to find out just how well you know Bushwick. The top five scorers will win a limited edition five-year anniversary RFB t-shirt. Please enter Lost and Rewound as your favorite show when taking the quiz, and I'll get a prize as well. Well, actually, also Rachel and Elon and I will get a prize. You can take the quiz, make a donation, or find out more at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash drive25. Again, that's RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash drive to five. You can also dial. Ooh. You can also dial 718-673-8201 to leave us a message letting us know why you love RFB or to wish us a happy birthday. Your message may be played on the air. 
I love it. I love it. It's amazing. It's so inclusive. Yeah. We well, got the whole community involved, and it's all a big, big, good, 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 good thing. Um, Everybody give some love. <laughs> Everybody loving today. <laughs> anyway, um, we, uh, we're going to have a very musical episode, I suspect, uh, I uh, this go around. So uh, let's this guest is hesitate no further. Indeed, indeed. We will hesitate no further. Shall we, Rachel? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Onward. Making his RFB debut as our guest this week, we have Paul Murdoch. He hails from the Bay Area and has been a New York City-based stand-up comedian, writer, and now improviser for now well over a decade. He is the creator of the web series, Is This Thing On? Has recently performed with improv groups such as Homebrew and <clears throat> um, one I know very well, Boots and Cats. Uh, and he's currently working on a solo show entitled The Father, The Son, and The Holy Shit. I know him as Big Vanilla. Welcome to you, Paul. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Big Vanilla in the house. Did, did they call you that at all, Will? I, I Well, I was called Big Willie, and I was um, <laughs> called I had the flavor of Big Vanilla, but that uh -huh. was basically as far I never became a nickname. Well done, Paul. Big Willie is better. They shortened Big Vanilla to Big V, which uh, I would have rather been called Big <laughs> Willie, personally. They call me that at night. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, this is so great to have you. I haven't seen you in months, actually. It's I gotta been say, a minute. The hype of your musical skill knows no bounds. Oh, boy. Yeah. Boy, setting the bar. We fit. Yeah, Paul, uh, you and I were... Oh, sorry, Rachel. Oh, I just wanted to say that um, I took a holy shit this morning. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> You're, this is good timing. <laughs> but um, hey, you took it already. You didn't uh, have not to worry. Things. Yeah, good this things. is this is past tense. We have we don't have to worry about that happening in this room. It is and Thursday. Throwback Thursday. We don't want to have another poop in the studio. <laughs> this is true. That that would be very bad. <laughs> um, it's been some months since the last time you and I have chatted. Uh, lots has happened in your life. More so, it seems like your life is. Just a constant like stream of awesome that just keeps on getting awesomer. Well, you know, if you follow anyone in social media, we are able to craft a vision of what is happening. <laughs> Do you like social media? No, I, I, I don't love social media. Mm -hmm. it, is a, it is a necessity, but I think um, when you are trying to do the co-dance of being an artist and being a nine-to-fiver, um, it can be a weird dance so oh, I, don't, I don't love that i can't really commingle those were you an early adopter of any um, i don't think i'm an early adopter when it comes to anything with technology but you know i i was i was on facebook relatively early but i wasn't on myspace or friendster so i suppose i'm not that early of an adopter. I was just going to ask, what era did you discover Facebook and Friendster and MySpace? Definitely, definitely gives a gives an era. <laughs> but uh, no, I I started on Facebook my freshman year, but that was but I, but I was on one of the first three schools to to test it. So so like Ooh. I have no so 
you know, my experience, my college experience, like my, my entering adulthood years are all about, um, social media. Fair. And I'm like you too. I am not a fan. And it's not that I'm not a fan. I'm, I like Instagram, but I'm not a fan of most social media because I feel like that, you know, the hyper reality does cause depression more than happiness. <laughs> I mean, it's a useful tool to like share Ab- what's going on and, and everything. And it, it can be a fun way to connect with people. But there was something great about the early days of the internet and being able to go on like IRC mm. and just be this completely impersonal person. Like I used totally to go anonymous, on yeah. yeah, yeah. I used to go on Mormon chat rooms as Brigham Young. And are you uh, serious? Are you serious? <laughs> very fun. That was like ninth Wait, grade. Paul. What was what was your username? I would go in as Brigham, Brigham Young, <laughs> a, a prophet of the Mormon Church. <laughs> When I, am, I, when yeah. I was like eight years old, I would go into random chat rooms and pretend to be a grown man. <laughs> well done. Well That's done. That's wonderful. Wait, so you would go into these chat rooms and there'd be Mormon chat rooms? I n- must know, what a, what is a Mormon chat room like? Um, Praise be. <laughs> I, I mean, it was just a community for, for Mormons, which I sort of qualify for. I am a direct descendant of Brigham Young's brother. So I, is I that felt like- so? Wow. That is true. That is, we've done the, the Mormons have done the genealogy. We've figured that out, but it's not really a Did great you ever get thing. to see the golden plate? I haven't seen the golden plate. I haven't what seen is the, golden the golden plate. plate? I don't what, wear the uh, special underwear. What? Okay, okay. I don't know. More, I'm more a men. freaking Jew here. Come so, on. I'm, I'm not supposed to know this. I'm more. a fucking Jew and I know what the golden plate is. Yeah, damn okay. fucking right. All right. All right. Person who is actually descended from a Mormon, please give us a breakdown of what the golden plate is well, within Mormonism. Well, to be fair, we, my family was excommunicated from the, from the Mormons. I mean, not officially excommunicated, yeah. but. I like, love that. <laughs> my grandparents met and my grandpa was not a Mormon. And so like we sort of thrust away that way. That's amazing. And you guys were all based in, on the West Coast, though. Yes, also. I still have lots of family I do not know in Utah. Can you speak to um, the ease with which people are excommunicated within the Mormon church? I cannot, because this all happened well before I was around. But I've, sure. I'd like to think it would have happened more quickly had uh, I been around at the time. How big is your family? Uh, my my immediate nuclear family is just uh, mother, father, sister. Okay. Um, we do have lots of cousins and second cousins in Idaho and Utah. Who are still part of the Mormon church? I believe so. Wow. So you see a lot of Mormons uh, just in like in passing on the family on, that you're still close with, but your family directly is not a part of it anymore. Correct. And I'm probably removed a couple generations from those who are but please do still tell, active tell elon of said golden plate tell elon, i mean is this tell the, is all it, of us indeed tell so our listeners these are these are the golden tablets right that joseph smith found upstate new york correct new pulse um yeah 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 i mean essentially it's you know think of the ten commandments and the giant stones but instead this is golden plate and if i was to distill it what i think is amazing is essentially it said that like you don't have to wait for the afterlife like you can have pussy now like it, <laughs> Basically, the, the golden plate was the the root of of polygamy. Um, yep. There were other things in there, and you could ask people two generations ahead of me. But as far as my key takeaway, Mormonism is the pussy now religion. <laughs> um, which, had it been teed up like that to me, I might still be a Mormon. So, well, you're seeing like a lot of like early memes involving the golden plate in these chat rooms or like what kind of uh, like humor was was being bestowed i i mean you're talking about like two ninth or tenth grade boys just like going in chat rooms so sure pretty much we were just like you know 
Everything you've heard about me is wrong. <laughs> I, I imagine that, like, shitting on the holy of the holy, you know, scripture and Mormonism probably wasn't something that came up pretty regularly. It, it did not come up that often, for are, sure. Are you saying that if I convert to Mormonism, I can get pussy now? Yes, as, as I understand it, that's, that's part of the deal, for sure. That's beautiful. That's, that's um, and actually, actually, no, now that, like, polygamy is, is sort of, ended within that era yeah. I, don't, I think you have to wait it's like pussy on layaway the, the glory days are gone <laughs> this life is for a layaway of bajillions of wives enjoy i, I, I have a f sort of a, a slight familiarity with uh, your family in that uh, your father is a minister is his ministry not in, rooted in no, Mormonism, a, something that has my, to do with this? My father is a uh, retired United Methodist minister. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, my mom is a Catholic. So okay. I, grew up for, I grew up with grape juice for communion, but I didn't get touched. So it's like, I feel like I got the best of both of those <laughs> things, which is good. Wait, you didn't get no-no juice? I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> what the hell is I know, I'm like, see, this is me. Again, I know nothing. You know everything, Rachel. I know nothing. Whoa, what, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's the no-no juice? I know very little. What do you guys, in this context, what do you think no-no juice is? It uh, sounds like what a, a bad guy minister <laughs> might... Actually, um, you know what? That does make more sense. I'm sorry. I'm, the wine. It's just red wine. It's just the red wine that oh. would be used in communion. Okay. And so that's no-no juice be until you're old enough to partake. See, the Jews just give it to you. That's true. <laughs> no, but you see, the Manischewitz yeah. doesn't count because Manischewitz <laughs> tastes like crap. Yeah, it will you get go. you lit. And Manischewitz is definitely alcoholic. It's just sugar. But it is a lot of sugar. It will get you lit. But so is all alcohol. <laughs> Did you uh, have a, uh, a relationship with alcohol at a young age, Paul, in terms of like, you know, sneaking out and like, you know, doing things that were more rebellious? Or abuse. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had, a, I had a very, very short chapter. Uh, we did move around a lot because my dad was a minister. Um, sort of like every five to seven years, Methodists move. Uh, and so I spent my junior high and high school days in Tulare, California. Shout out to the 40,000 people who know about that. Tulare, nice California days. is a little more inland or? It is uh, in between Fresno and Bakersfield. We were in the uh, California, Nevada conference. So I think I think it went as far south as Bakersfield and as mm -hmm. far north as, ironically enough, the southern part of Oregon and then extended out to Reno. So how long ago did you move to New York? I moved here uh, in 2001. Okay. Yeah. So it's been actually almost two decades. And uh, you moved here at a time that was quite volatile for New York, uh, shall we say. Uh, Indeed. I moved here eight days before. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, where were you physically, if you don't mind me asking? I was in Williamsburg. Um, and actually, yeah, my dad was visiting. He'd just gotten in the night before because we'd shipped some of my stuff over with neighbors. Um so, yeah, we overslept. We were supposed to be in the city. Were you uh, interested in the theater arts when you got here? Or I love how I say that so technically. Yeah, no, no, no. Nothing I mean, that's, that's sort of what brought me to New York to begin with. I've yes. sort of had a transient, circuitous route. Were you studying at an undergrad? No, by then it was uh, grad school. I, uh, I made the wise decision to design my own graduate school major at NYU. Shout oh, out to God, the Gallatin to Gal School. Gallatin! I will say I was not thinking at the time that you go to grad school to meet your alumni network, and I could have just bought a mirror for $3 and looked into <laughs> it. I'm like, oh, here's the one person who has studied what I have. Um, Amazing. But yeah, I ended up uh, coming here originally to write satiric novels. 
Um, oh, well, like in the in the vein of like David Sedaris or like like or Vonnegut like, Heller. Yeah. Um, oh Sedaris, my God. Yeah. Rock on. Um, and then I did my first. Uh, I did my first performance at Gallatin First Fridays inside a church doing a piece as Jesus, like who would come back and like. He was really upset that everyone like missed the point and, <laughs> and it was it was 11 minutes long and nobody laughed nobody oh, clapped oh. it was terrible and that was actually the night i decided to shift the focus and get into stand-up because i was like i knew it wasn't working and i wish i could have just like changed it in the moment uh and so that is that is when that shift happened i since learned that like Stand-up, you do a hell of a lot of job writing it before so you don't oh, yeah. just change it in the moment, but you do oh, have yeah. the ability to shift the material you're going to do on a given night if it's not resonating and, like, pivot and go somewhere else. So are you currently a stand Like, how would you describe yourself professionally right now? I would describe myself more as a uh, currently more improv-based. Okay. I am writing the solo show, so I am doing that. has both serious and comedic elements. Nice. Um, and I would still say I am a comic... Uh, but I am not an active stand-up comic at the moment. So definitely still a humorist, performer, um, but stand-up is, yeah, it's it's like that's a grind, and I, I give props to people who are out there doing it every day. When, nice. you, began, when you began your grind as a stand-up comedian in uh, a very, you know, post-9-11 sort of uh, world, uh, that was not sort of very much a post-9-11 <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was indeed. <laughs> but um, you must have taken from some kind of uh, inspirations. Um, I do know from being at your uh, apartment that you have uh, a number of records that you p put up on the walls that are um, huge inspirations, uh, you know, all, all sorts of comedians. Um, and would you say that there are certain influences that uh, or more than others that have inspired you to get where you are? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the way that I pivoted in grad school is ultimately my thesis, as exciting as this sounds, was on post 1950s stand up comedy and its impact on the expansion of First Amendment rights. Yeah, that's a big so, that, that's that's I want to awesome. read I want to yeah, read your paper. It's, it's Let me fun. read your that's, dissertation. Um, like, please. It, it was really Bruce. awesome. I'm not kidding. Can we so, actually get a copy of that dissertation? That you may be able to if you if you go in it's at NYU. Could it be know. like in the it's... online database? <laughs> because I could look right now. I don't know if it is. In wait, wait, wait! Your grad school program is in Yeah, yes. for sure. Oh my God! Duh. I know there's a physical con. There is a physical copy at Gallatin. I do okay. know that. Um, but no, so like that would very much like Mort Saul and Lenny Bruce are kind of mm -hmm. like at the pivot of turning from vaudeville to comedy that is actually like saying something Political instead of just like take my wife, please take her, try the veal, um, <laughs> you know, to being you know something that actually says something political, social, challenging, trying to push the element. So Mort Saul, Lenny Bruce, uh, oh man, Richard Pryor, um, yeah. George Carlin, like those all have special places in my heart. But I would say really when I got bit by the bug, it was later in the fact, but Bill Hicks was sort of the first sure. person really? who blew my mind in terms of saying it about politicians who were around when I was there. So it was like, oh, wow, this is being critical, and these are issues I understand. Mitch Hedberg? I liked Mitch. Mitch was great. I got to see him once live. Is um, that so? Yeah, what I did. I, I got to see him in San Francisco. He was opening for uh, Louis Black and David Tell. Wow. Um, yeah, which was awesome. I did not know who he was, and I went to the show, That's and he stacked, was definitely my my favorite at the time. Stacked lineup of yeah. funny white and dudes. And Jim Short <laughs> as well. 
Um, Sorry, who was the th- last one? Jim, Jim Short Who's was that? the last one. Uh, he would be the lesser known of the four people who were on the bill. Sure. <laughs> I, I don't actually remember a single joke he did that night, but I'm sure he is a badass for being on that bill. So with the teams that you practice with currently and that you perform with currently, what does your week look like? I mean, how do you what, like essentially describe your process? Like, how do you, how do you uh, get into it every, every yeah, day? Yeah, I, I mean, sadly, I think that my week right now looks a little bit more like my serious day job hours that extend beyond nine to five. So right on. it ends up being a grind of when can you have that? So whether that is looking at what night do I have room to do an improv jam? You know, um, I'm in a couple of improv groups that are doing coach sessions and then and then shows. Um, so it's really a, a varying thing. I'm in a choir cause I'm freaking hardcore. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Uh, cause you can take, the, <laughs> you can take the kid out of church, but you can't keep him out for performing with the Astoria choir on Monday. <laughs> Holy shit. Nice. What? Um, yeah. So it's uh, probably four nights a week. I'm doing something related to creative. Uh, but really now with the one man show, um, I'm trying to make a conscious shift to getting up an hour earlier. Nice. And writing before work so that then I'm getting everything out while I have like more mental capacity that hasn't beaten down throughout the course I of the day. I feel that pain. I feel that pain of just like of having to set your alarm earlier just because it's the only it time sucks. you're going to be able to do it. Yeah, I'm no, not a sure. morning person. So since you've been um, a little lighter on the improv um, gigs, so to speak, I mean, you're still involved, but uh, it gives you a lot more time to focus on this one person show uh, that touches on a lot of the topics that you um, were mentioning before with your religious upbringing. And we actually have a clip that you uh, so kindly provided to us uh, a stand-up set that talks a little bit about this uh, right is is that am i am i correct in that assumption from 2002 i would say oh wow if we're going back to, i don't think i have the one from 2002 that's which fine is unfortunate you said but it, it was pretty pretty i have a early. snippet from uh 2013 okay. in the show yeah where i touch on something that was that that that, that was forever ago <laughs> that was forever literally ahead. forever ago. It was. That was last technical definition Sorry, I, of forever. That was last decade. Yeah, I was trying to remember. I thought that you had told me uh, before we recorded that uh, you had had one from earlier, but that's totally well, fine. All I did tell you I did, but it is on micro cassette. Uh, oh, buried. Yeah. Yes. Well, Wait, micro cassette or mini, yeah. mini DV or micro? Oh no, micro cassette. You Holy yeah. shit! Can't that's get right. out of this one yet. We gotta talk about that a little bit uh, before we listen to this clip because uh, you do have micro cassette. Recordings that you did not unfortunately get to bring here today. We could always hear it another time, but you literally have micro cassette recordings of your stand up sets from the early 2000s. Yes. It's oh, incredible. Yes. God, we please, please agree to come on again and bring those. <laughs> Fair. Fair. They're, they're wonderful visions of the process and amount of work it takes to become funny. And That's, that, is, that is our bread and butter. It's so good, man. They'll bring us uh, back to 2013 now, and what's the kind of content we're going to be hearing in this snippet? This was a fundraiser I did for a uh, for a New Jersey no kill animal shelter. Hell Which yeah, one? You did. Nice. Which one? Uh, I'm gonna look it up I <laughs> because <laughs> the name of it. This place meant so much to me that I <laughs> totally. Well, I will know. It was a friend asked me to do it. Yeah. It was his sister. It was affiliated with them. Uh, I can tell you that I put it in the note as Paul for Paws, so I think Ooh. it's I think it's for Paws, um, but I nice. don't. I'm sure maybe it had the name of the town in it. I, I don't know. Was I, it Oakland? Was the town Oakland? Yes. Really? O- it was for Paws, Oakland for sure. 
no, it wasn't. I'm, I mean, it may have been. No, it, was, it, it wasn't. It absolutely may have been. Are you from Oakland? Yes. And is there a four paws? No, it has. there. there is a no-kill shelter. Okay. Uh, but it's not called four paws. Okay. How yeah. many paws do you keep? <laughs> I don't, I don't. I don't know how many. Three paws. I don't. I don't know how many paws are in that shelter at this Two moment. Two paws, no kill shelter. We only don't kill humans. <laughs> Joe, are you Catholic? It's a shot in the dark. That's a hard question. Okay, so you were an altar boy. Thank you. Thank you for getting the hard question innuendo that was going to. Yeah, yeah. No, that's all right. Catholics in the room. Don't worry. Don't get all excited. You got to forgive me. It's part of the deal. <laughs> yes, yes. Raised uh, the son of a Methodist minister and a Catholic mother. So I grew up with. I don't know. Cool. Did you watch my? Did you watch my childhood through a window in my house? Did you have a mustache, Joe? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was tough. It was tough. You know what? I had to have grape juice for communion, but I didn't get touched, so it, it balanced out. I did get real bread for communion, though. I like that. I think uh, I think the body of Christ should be, in fact, crunchy on the outside, moist on the inside. I don't ask for too much. I just want a moist Messiah. That was uh, something that you just played from an iPhone uh, that was aged what year? <laughs> the iPhone itself is probably 10 years old. Okay. Nice. I love that you still hold on to your devices with old comedy sets. That is a really a true, a true meaning, meaningful. I mean, some people would archive gesture. them and put them in the cloud or put them on a, an external drive that would make it easier to pull things off. But, you know, I just, I just hold on to old phones that short out. Oh, buddy, you, dude, I've, same deal. I've got, a, I've got a stack of three old iPhones that are all like each, like a order of magnitude larger than the last, right? So just total different generations. And each are like little mausoleums to that period, to the period of my life that I had that phone. You know? Absolutely. I love that. That's so, that's so. Hey, I traded up to this. I used to use a dictaphone, you know, and that was, nice. uh, I started using my fingers. Nice. Hi oh, man. <laughs> I, I, sorry, I love, terrible. no, I loved the, um, what was it, like the T-Mobile sidekick kind of deal where like I actually oh, no, had right. buttons to press. Wait, the flip up thing? Oh, when Fuck you yeah, flipped man. it and slid it to the side. Yeah, dude. And you're like, oh, my God. Nah, 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 nah. I, I wanted to hold on for dear life any possible tactile nature of typing things out where now I have um, been unable to get uh, avoid that. Uh, You're because, a big voice texter now. Oh, dude. Yeah. You are. <laughs> yeah, you are. Everybody in around the room knows this of me. It's... <laughs> I've never seen you type a text. No, no, no. The best, no, no, the <laughs> best is Elon. The best is Elon's excuse me face while he did voice text. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, in practices, uh, I will be one to. And I did it with my uh, show when I directed a show, too. Uh, I had. And you got a chance to see that show. I did. And my entire production great. team. Uh, thank you very much. My production team made fun of me mercilessly for uh, the voice to text that I would do in front of them. If you were not sending out like something to a, a boss or a person of authority, I would do the same <laughs> thing I would do to my sister, which is to just yell fart incessantly while she's voice texting. <laughs> I don't care that she is in her 40s. I think that is hilarious. And I know, but I can, can you just imagine like either you or Elon being totally like like totally nonchalant when you're like, and I will see you here at 4 p.m. Everybody come with your game faces. Tomorrow's a really important day. Period. Next, next, period. 
Period. New text. Text Robin. Baby, I can't wait to throw you up against the wall when I get home. Just like, <laughs> say, sir. like nonchalantly just rolling right through all aspects of his life. You're lucky I'm not cutting your mic off. Uh, <laughs> more more uh, about the comedy set that we just heard. When and if did it ever occur that your uh, parents, family, got a chance to see you do a set? They got to see me do a show at the Punchline in Sacramento, gosh, maybe maybe 2007, 2008. What was it um, like doing comedy back home versus in New York? You know, it's it's it was interesting. It was a different level of energy, although Punch is a great club with with great audiences, but I think you just kind of discovered in terms of like the sensibility of the audience that is there. New Yorkers will let you play a little bit more. I lived in San Francisco for a couple of years and and actually found that um, they were even more politically correct. And so like in the West Coast where I thought, I'm like, I'm from here and this is leftist and I can play and push. Um, no, there was sort of like more of a keep it down. Did you feel, down. did you get, that makes sense, right? Because they are so active, but did you, did you get this? Did you ever hear the term smug? There was definitely more PC there than, than I expected. So would you say that it's less flaming there than here? <laughs> It's, it's so flaming in San Francisco. What are you talking about? <laughs> flaming in the Rachel sense, purely awesome in a almost undescribable way. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and in that sense, I can say that San Francisco is in fact very flaming. <laughs> um, that's great. And so, but your parents ultimately were uh, very receptive to the kind of uh, brand of humor that you were trying to convey. Yes and no. My my dad is more open to uh, my comedy than my mom is. Both have seen me perform. Um, and I think the first time my mom ever, ever saw me, I just like threw out every expletive at the very beginning of my set and was like, this is as bad as it'll get, mom. And then I jumped into my set. Um, but the religious stuff, you know, I think my dad is able to, usually he wants to break it down and be like, well, you know, if you're actually breaking down that scripture, then it's going to be this. And I'm like, well, dad, okay, good. I get it that like theologically speaking, that is correct. But here's where the humor comes in. But mom doesn't like to laugh at faith as much as I do. Um, ultimately, my view is like faith is an inherently personal thing. You have it, you don't, doesn't matter. Um, but like if something I say is offending your relationship with God, that is probably more about your lack of faith than it is about my work. And you probably shouldn't be going to a comedy show in the first place indeed. because well, that's where you go to get affronted. Hashtag respect. Thank indeed, you. Indeed. Did you ever have the experience of bringing people to a play or bringing people to a comedy set or who you didn't expect to have that kind of relationship? Like I took my evangelical girlfriend's family to, or we went, we went together. They actually took me to Book of Mormon and they walked out like flabbergasted, right? Like really? our, my entire sense of reality could not only be wrong, but is laughably wrong. That like that was their that was their take. Why you know did they I mean? go see that? Why did they think they, that would be a good have, idea? They had pretty open senses of humor. I mean, From like I the thought, creators of self. Yeah. <laughs> like that is your warning on the book. Of you know, I, you know. I think they more saw it as like, here's a very popular play. Ah, oh, if it's on Broadway, it must be good. Yeah, that Josh. Like, it, it, but like, wonderful. but have you had that experience? I mean, have you had? Was, I, was he that, annoys me a lot. I've had it more. I mean, I've seen it. I've had people get up and walk out of my sets, and I don't think really? that I do anything that is like really pushing. I had a Catholic. Family. That's how you know you're doing it right, though. Thank if, you. If people are getting up and leaving. You're you're doing something right. Thank you. I I agree with that. I mean, ultimately, I had a family of seven get up and walk out, and I was just Ooh. making the point. Like I was, I think it is ironic that people put 
conditions on the unconditional love of God. I don't know. It's irony on a base level. I appreciate it. I'd say I love that phrase. Thank you. Uh, but like, I, I do think it's interesting that like Catholics, you know, and this was at the time when all the, well, I would say this was at the time when all the Catholic scandals were going on, but let's be honest, priests are still raping little kids. Um, <laughs> it's still going on sadly. And that is the deal. Yeah. I told my mom because yeah. she was very offended by those jokes. And I was like, I will not tell these jokes as soon as priests are not raping kids. And I think that's a fair deal. And I, it stands mom that totally stands. As soon as they stop, I will stop doing those jokes. But good answer. <laughs> but the family got up and left because it was, uh, you know, the Bible always cites this obscure passage of Leviticus to say that homosexuality is wrong. It says, two men shall not lie down together. Yeah, but the Bible doesn't say anything about one guy standing and another on all fours. It's kind of a gray area there. <laughs> um, and that was, that was the one that they got up and they left. Because if you believe that, then you also believe that, like, God hates people who camp. You know, there's just... Really, because they lay down, you know? It's like two men cannot uh, lay down while they're camping out. It's fine. I mean, I'm glad that the all fours you got. Gotcha, gotcha. No, no, I love it. I love it. I love the practice, the taking it practically. But to your point, um, yeah, the they sensitive audiences sometimes when you're saying that. But I think that's the best type of comedy is the comedy that makes you uncomfortable oh. and makes you think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that there, there are certain lines that can be crossed, and those lines are clearly different for everybody. Yeah. But if you are able to clear a, a room of an entire homophobic family, then oh, I think a lot of people are learning something in that moment, including right. them. Right. I, I hope that is something when they tell their their friends that story. You know, they at least have a couple of friends who are like, well, they made a good point there. You know, mm. Maybe you shouldn't hate people. I, I agree. I'm all about inclusivity. Inclusivity. With inclusivity. Inclusivity. Indeed. We have to take a quick breather. And when we return, uh, for, with this from this word, that's not what I meant. <laughs> when we return after this. I don't breathe. That's, you're, you're, that, that's unhealthy. <laughs> I have unhealthy habits. We'll dive into more sounds of Paul Murdoch's past. This is Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. If you want to email the show to be on this hour of laughter and get flaming with us, get real flaming with us. Lost and rewound at radiofreebrooklyn.org. So you can pitch us any and all of your ideas, submissions, and uh, yeah, clear the air about what happened in your past. And uh, maybe we'll get a chance to have you come in or at least call in to be on the show one of these weeks. We can make it happen. We'll Send do- us your content. Yeah. Send us all of your old videos, because getting a cross-section of you over the course of your artistic life is what we do. 
Paul, you uh, are a brave soul for uh, finally uh, coming through to do it with us this week. Um, what could you tell us about this film um, that you had done, I guess, seven years ago as well? Uh, yeah, this is, this is the little sleep from uh, Is This Thing On, which is the... This is the thing that you were, the web I was the co-creator with Lou Stone Borenstein, nice. uh, my, my writing partner who won the Wheel of Fortune and took his winning car and winnings and moved to L.A. What? Shout are you serious? Are you being literal I, right I'm now? Being very literal. Holy Lou, shit. Lou that, won, what a story. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. I told him, I was like, dude, you got to write the script. It's called One Spin of the Wheel. And he's like, I calculate that I spun it 47 times. Oh, <laughs> and geez. I was like, well, damn you for being literal. Okay, yeah. walk us back a little bit before we listen to this. So yeah. this is uh, what we're hearing in a bit is from this web series that you were a part of. And what was the impetus between you and Will? How so, did you, or, so Lou, Lou, sorry. Yeah, Lou. no, no worries. Uh, yeah, Lou and I wanted to, uh, we, we met in a comedy class, comedy writing class, and wanted to co-create and to date it, you can say that uh, we filmed everything on the flip and we were convinced <laughs> that we would release a full season and flip would pick us up and pay oh, for man. it. And uh, our series lasted longer than flip. So that was, <laughs> that, was, that was bad on us. But also I'm just saying if they'd picked us up, maybe flip still be around. Yeah, you know what? Savvy choice. It just sometimes doesn't work out. Flip was, <laughs> flip was great. I really liked that a lot. That, that brought me out, took me out of my uh, shell when it came to recording video. It was, it was so easy. I mean, and, and again, I guess it sort of filled that technological gap before phones really could easily do the same thing for us. But yeah, we just wanted to prove as a proof of concept, like we'd written a, we wrote a pilot for it and we wanted something that showed that we could do a full season. So we did, uh, we did 24 episodes and put it up and we had that full season. We had the arc and then we were able to use that as to pitch along with the pilot and then write a treatment for the rest of the years. How long was each episode? Uh, each episode was between five and seven minutes. We act, wrote, shot, uh, edited all of that well shout out to lou for doing all the editing actually everything else was lou and paul the the comedy writers who were trying to make it big and struggling and failing to do so and then this one was just we wanted to write a film noir episode so we did onward it was only a matter of time before he'd walk in the door Suddenly, I saw the doorknob turn. I was so sure I knew who'd be walking through, but it sure wasn't what I expected. I can barely remember how it all started, except that it was August 19th at 5.32 p.m. The forecast called for clouds, low of 71, with a 42% chance of precipitation. I was working on a new screenplay, a film noir, when a familiar face walked in, attached to a familiar body. All right, look here now, you see, okay? If I catch this guy, there's bound to be some sort of reward. I'll split it with you. 70-30. Why are you asking me anyway? It's because you look good in that hat of yours, Lou. I thought it over and figured the case could help me write my film noir script. I thought it over and I figured the case could help me write my film noir script. I forgot I said that. I just have one question. What happened on the night in question? Well... We were playing in the Edward G. Robinson room at table one, see? Table one, got it. No, table one, see? Yes! All right, good. With that unpleasantness out of the way, Paul continued to talk. I sat next to a guy named Clayton. I was having a pretty good night. Uh, looks like you're having a pretty bad night, huh, buddy? <laughs> you're not getting any more from me, Pally. Who are you calling Pally? 
Pally. They stole the table? It was no ordinary table. It was imported from Malta. Malta? It's the Maltese poker table. Were you able to see anything in the dark? No, it was dark. What about those flashes of light? On the first flash, I saw my new friend Clayton. And on the second flash, a mysterious dame. <coughs> There's no way a dame could move that table. Well then, I suppose I'm off to see this Clayton fellow. In the meantime, proofread my script. I hope you're not implying that I took the table, Pally. What if I'm not implying? What if I'm just insinuating? Dear Clayton, thank you for your donation of the Maltese poker table. My apologies. Pops was right. Never donate nothing. What did you see when the lights flashed? All I seen was this mysterious looking dame and a fella across from me. I tell you, there's no way a dame could move that table. What did the fellow look like? He wore this jacket. This jacket-wearing character had an impressive way of rhyming everything he said. How can I help you, Lou? There's a missing table and you're a suspect. It wasn't me. You got the wrong mark. I couldn't have done it. I'm afraid of the dark. A likely story. Poker after dark, rejected invitation, never trick-or-treated, sat home in frustration. Brunettes are like- Alright, your story checks out. <coughs> what did you see when the lights flashed that night? I saw Paul, looking kind of lame. And some sort of mysterious dame. But the furniture was heavy, bulky, unstable. There's no way- A dame could move that table. I was in it now. There was only one suspect left. The very suspect who had me suspect other suspects from the beginning, which in retrospect was quite suspect. But to catch him I'd have to trick him, dupe him, swindle, bamboozle and hoodwink him. Give him the old flim flam, the double deal. My thesaurus proved to be a wise purchase. It was only a matter of time before he'd walk in the door. Suddenly, I saw the doorknob turn. I was so sure I knew who'd be walking through, but it sure wasn't what I expected. Lou? Paul? I don't get it. You're buying the table? So it was you all along. I told you a dame couldn't move that table. So the case was solved, the thief captured. It turned out the Maltese table was worth no more than eight bucks anyway, and some assembly was required. Eight bucks? That's it? I spent thirty dollars on this dress. As for me, I got so caught up in doing research for my script, I forgot about my deadline. Paul was out some money and I was out a job. But on the plus side, I finally fixed the lighting in my office. There. That's better. Okay, first off, holy shit, I did, like, 
I, Clayton Fletcher, hello, yeah, was part of the cast. I had no idea. Wow, that's amazing. We had a, there were a bunch of comics that we were all doing mics with at the time, and we were doing uh, Clayton's early shows at the New York Comedy Club, and so we asked him to do it. Uh, Chris Stefano, this was. If you look on his IMDb, this is his first credit. No way. <laughs> wow. This is going to hate that. Oh, my God. It, but... That's amazing. Dude, I, Clayton Fletcher was my first stand-up teacher ever. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. That's so nice. He's still doing it. And he is also a, a poker player. He made No, it. no. He's a like, world champion, isn't he? Or not world he's champion. He's not world champion. But, like, but no, he, a, he went he to the main event. And he, played, right? he played very deep at the World Series of Poker last what year. A, what a match. Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. What inspired this? All our other episodes, well, I would say they make sense, but they didn't really yeah. make sense. But they they were just fun and absurdist. And this was legitimately, we just thought it would be really fun to play film noir characters and play and just have wordplay. And so this was let's let's do something different. I mean, we always had the same formula where the episode started with something and teased that it was going to tilt, and then you went back to the same scene, and then it obviously had like a little bit of twist. That was definitely our formula, but. Other than that, this kind of broke the mold of of this is this thing on otherwise. But mainly it was just to to have fun and uh, prove that we could shoot something in black and white and change the tone a bit. Nice. How long were you doing this web series for? We did this for a full year, um, and then we developed the pilot for it. And then we wrote, I guess I've written three pilots with Lou. Um, none of them have been picked up yet, but that just means it's time for the fourth. He's actually working on one now and I have one that I will be working on and we're giving each other insight, but um, hopefully, you know, fourth, fifth time is the charm, but we went our separate ways uh, probably about two years after we had wrapped on this when he won wheel of fortune. And then it was, you know, he's a lifelong New Yorker and wanted to uh, get out to LA and I am a lifelong Bay Area person, and so I don't want to live in LA. <laughs> yeah. you, me- you mentioned the word wrapped. You also uh, had a little bit of rhyming and scheming in this. Yeah, video. Mike um, Mignona's character wrapped. He rhymed everything uh, in every episode he appeared in, which may have been the precursor for me getting interest in, in, in rhyme. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because you also shared a little bit uh, for context purposes uh, that, you know, the fact that you and I w- met each other through the world of the North Coast hip hop improv classes. What? what? Uh, but you were doing a little uh-huh. bit of improv before that even began. Yeah, I had done a little bit of just regular uh, plain vanilla improv. What? And then I, I think like I ended up finding my way to North Coast and the hip hop improv community, which is awesome. Are yeah. you a um, are you a fan of Ray Row? We, oh, we I love Ray Row. We did Ray have Ray Row on the show. We had Ray Row as a coach. We had Ray Row as our teacher for one oh one and yep. three oh one. Um, yeah, she is. She's got bars she's and dynamite. she's an amazing teacher. Doug's got mad bars, a great teacher. Um, yeah, definitely love the North Coast fam. I nice. I took uh, classes with Freestyle Love Supreme this year as well. They are fantastic. The Lin Manuel um, Miranda uh, vehicle. Yep, absolutely. And then, um, you know, shout out to Off Top as well, being sort of the first hip hop improv jam and they're doing great stuff. And even just nice. the hip hop drop in was. The hip hop drop in was where I got my start. It's a uh, where was it? You know, once a month usually at uh, the Magnet. Mm. Wait, Magnet Main Stage or, or? Uh, Magnet Training Center? It's just gotcha. a it's yeah. just a, another drop in, two hour, very low stakes. And I I nice. reached out to my old improv teacher Deborah Bai, and I was hating everything I was writing for stand up, and I was like, I cannot get out of my head, mm. um, and I just can't find that flow. And she said, Well, there's this workshop, and there's hip hop improv, maybe like stretching a different muscle and doing something that makes you 
use fewer words would actually help you get to punchlines quicker and those things. Mm. Went to the drop-in. Michael Bird was there one day. Wow. Shout Bird, out to Michael Bird. No Shout out to Bird. Yeah. And Bird told me, he's like, yo, I'm gonna about to take this North Coast class that starts next week. And uh, I signed up, and three days later, that is when I met you, Alon. Only ever performed two of Bird's shows, but like I've never, met, I've never known him to not be just like this facilitator of like love and support. He is all about spreading he joy through improv, and he truly yeah, is. the uh, Bird's Cosmic Unity show is is joy and light on stage. It's really Indeed. fun. Let's take a listen to a little bit of your singing and rapping, and then we're gonna do a little bit of singing and rapping. I think here in the studio. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. Name that brand, the game show that tests your knowledge of proper brand and division name. You ready to meet our contestants? Well, I'm eating good in my neighborhood, but that's not right, because I should be eating well where I dwell. Grammatically, that's correct. Applebee's, what the heck? Can't you work harder on your slogan? Two states for five Shout out to Boots and Cat. Oh my God. Oh my God. That's great. Oh, wow. Human behavior amazes me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, and that there's only one thing I could do after that, uh, which is is that uh, we should play a little beat. And well, ooh, Rachel, ooh, ooh. would you be so kind as to give uh, your boys some suggestions for the rap and sort of tomato topic. cake? Tomato cake? Yeah. I got you. Take this one. Delicious, moist tomato cake. Okay. <laughs> tomato cake, for goodness sake. Why did you bake a tomato cake? Uh. I don't need this in my head. I don't need to make it with spheres that are red. Is it a fruit or is it a vegetable? What I can say, you're consolable. Ooh, man, it just sounds like a kind of a pie. Something that you want to get your third eye into it because you want to bake it in the oven give it lots of vegetable love and you know it's the best dove is clean make it happen <laughs> now i just 
take the bar and I'm rapping and I'm swinging and I'm swinging and I got the tomato cake because I'm bringing it and I'm bringing it and I'm piñata and I bake. Oh, I'm in heaven. This tomato cake you make is like Heinz 57. Woo! Yes, give me all of the flavors. Wrap it in aluminum foil because I'm going to eat some later. Oh, I'm going to savor the juice. I get this down, yeah, cutting it loose. I got tomatoes, I got vegan friendly. As you come back, you cannot upend me. Ooh, oh, man, no. yeah, like a casserole. You get it in there, and then you're feeling super whole, like a super hoe, because you're super grove. You, like, baked it all up, and then it feels like a flow of yeast coming out the stove like beast. Now you got the rover. Oh, I feel like I ought to move on over and give it to Mr. Big Vanilla Man because he's the shower. Tomato cake, I gotta say why. Why didn't you just make me a tomato pie? Ah. Throw it down, get off the dust. Gotta crisp it up, get the nice crust. Oh, I like that, the crust. It is the best part, like a Pizza Hut, $2.99. Let's start with what to even have when you are on a budget. Oh, don't budget. No, not even a nugget. Pizza Hut? <laughs> what? Uh-huh. <laughs> We're living in NYC, what's up? But that's what a tomato pie is, you know? Because when it comes down to it, with the grow. Listen up, okay? You go to the original, you go to Ray's. He uh. got an apostrophe, cause he possesses the pie. And you know, he's my favorite pizza guy. Oh yeah, but that's the case, man. And I holla, but the best pizza that you get is for one dollar. Doesn't matter, around the block, around the way. You go to New York City, you go to Queens and Slay. If you want a good pie, go farther. Go out to Brooklyn, go up to Defara's. That's right, yo, it's in the hour. Across the street from me is a shout out to Milk Flour. They make the cheese inside. They let the dough go rise. Get it up, cook it in the wood oven. It's like as sweet as some lovin'. It's easy like Sunday morning, yeah, because with you, the pizza, the, the cheese, yo, I'm, uh, yo, it just makes me tired. Feeling like I'm on the RFB because I'm wired. 3.1415. I prefer that other kind of pie. Mathematically come correct, but when I eat the pizza pie, yo, what make me a wreck? Wake you a wreck? I make of respect. We gotta run uh, this show out because it's neglecting if we don't even try to respect the time with the Brooklyn bandstand coming with the rhyme. Tomato cake. Tomato cake. Tomato pie. It's time to say bye-bye. <laughs> Love Ali. Oh, my God. All right. That was that was great. We, uh, well done, uh, we, our, our chemistry is still there. Hey, we, we still we still got we it. We still got it. We, we are organic it. human we beings both, that man. are karmic-based. You both got some flow. You both got some cosmic, cosmic flow. You got some flaming. <laughs> <laughs> flaming, flaming flow. Paul, flaming embarrassed, <laughs> all of it. So uh, that you have a, this one-person show, and people could uh, certainly keep in time... Uh, on with uh, your uh, Instagram <laughs> yeah. uh, to know when that is going to happen because I want to know when the holy shit's going to rise. Definitely keep keep an eye out on on fringe festivals far and near for the Father, the Son, and the Holy shit. <laughs> Does it float? Please tell me. It uh, it's because it's a witch, right? It, yes, wait, wait, yes, wait. Does it walk on water? Does it walk on water? Or does uh, it, it stand on water? Depends on what you have eaten, Indeed. my son. Ah, uh, any other plugs you got going uh, that you want to uh, shout out at this time? Uh, yeah, man, go see live improv and comedy in general, whether I'm in it or not. It yes. is good to fill your life with <laughs> laughter. Yeah. 
see a freestyle love supreme show see a north coast show see a, a homebrew show if they uh, ever come back i guess yes see yes. a boots homebrew, and cat show homebrew. if we ever come back yeah, I would love to. We are on we are on hiatus, but it, it is not necessarily a permanent hiatus. It's a, it's a low atus. It's a low atus. A temporatus. That sounds profound. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've left people with something today. We, we I, have, I think we I have. I feel like we really have. Though. We, but you know what? It's to be TBC. It's TB continued because uh, there is only so much that we've uh, gotten to scratch uh, surface wise, and there's much deeper. You're a very deep fellow. Paul Murdoch. Paul, it's been a pleasure, honestly. That's great to, to meet you both, and uh, great to see you again, and thanks for having me. Thank you for being on the show and for getting a little embarrassed with us this week on LNR. My name is Alon. And I'm Will Hasty. I'm Rachel Teichman. My last name is Danziger, and you will catch me and these two knuckleheads here next week, right here on RFB for Lost and Rewound. On Radio Free. Brooklyn. Heck Yeah. I don't know. There's like Dylan, just a dude named Dylan. Oh, yeah. Visionaries, yeah. A dude named Dylan. He was the producer for Dylan. Dylan made this beat. Oh, hey, thanks, Dylan. Hey, it's that guy. It's that dude, Dylan. Dylan. Yo, Dylan. What's up, bro? Hey, Dylan. Okay.